Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning, NCC. If I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet, my name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church And we're so excited that you're joining us. If you're new, we want you to know what I just mentioned. We are passionate about making people and places new. We feel like that's what God has called us to. And we do that. We live that out by pursuing healthy transformation in our personal lives, with our families, and in our communities. And we're in our third week of this series called Jesus Is. And we've been having some great conversations about what the Word of God says that Jesus is. A lot of us, we have different ideas about who the person of Jesus is and through movies that we've watched, maybe pictures that you've seen at church, stories that you heard maybe growing up in church or things that you've heard other people say. But over the next few weeks, we're going back into the Gospels. And from the Gospels, we want to look at a clear picture of what we see in the person of Jesus and how that affects us, how it affects our lives in the the way that we live. And our prayer is this, that over the course of these weeks, that this would not be the end of the message. So when you get up here in a few minutes and you walk out the doors, that you wouldn't say, okay, the message is over this week, but that you would take it with you. And these would be conversations that you would have in your workplace, in your home, around the dinner table with your spouse or with friends, whenever you're eating with friends or wherever God has placed you, that you would continue this conversation of who Jesus is and what that means for our life. And so we started the first week. If you weren't here, we talked about Jesus is a friend. We just looked at the Gospels, and we looked at who was it that Jesus reached out to? Who was it that he befriended? And we saw that it was people on the outside, people on the fringe of society, the outcasts of society. And we looked at if that's what Jesus did, how does that affect who we're reaching out to? And it's been great because I've heard some of you guys, you've come up to me and say, hey, here's someone who's got, who God has put in my path. I've reached out to someone who's maybe been alone, maybe they've been isolated. And because of that message, God has been challenging me to live differently and to, to reach out to others. Last week, we continued the conversation with Jesus is grace. And we looked at John chapter 1, how in the person of Jesus, we see the fullness of God's grace. Many times in our life, we try to cover sin. We try to hide it. We think that that'll fix the problem, but it doesn't. Some of us are trying to work for our salvation. We think if we do enough good things, then we're going to earn God's favor in our life. But that doesn't work either. It's only the grace of God over our life that allows us to be in a relationship with him. And so we ended service last week. If you remember, we took these white cards and we wrote on them. For some of us, we wrote the sin that we've been struggling with, things that we've been trying to hide or cover up. For others, we wrote down, here are ways that I've been trying to work or earn my salvation, to work for it. And all of us, we came forward and we laid those down here at the altar. Symbolically, at the end of service, saying, God, I can't do it on my own anymore. I'm not enough in and of myself, God. I need your grace. I need the person of Jesus in my life. And it was a powerful moment at the end of service. And so today, we're going to continue with that idea. This is Jesus is grace, part two, okay? There was so much I couldn't fit it into one message, and so um, we're going to continue to talk about this idea. So if you're taking notes, you can write down that title, Jesus is Grace, and we're going to look at this part two. You know, the definition of grace, there's a few definitions of that. Last week we talked about it, it's the unmerited favor of God over our life. 
the unmerited favor of God over our life. And this week, we want to look at a different picture of grace. We want to look at the grace of God, where the grace of God helps us and calls us into something that we cannot do on our own. The grace of God that helps us and calls us into something that we cannot do on our own, into something that we don't see in and of ourselves. And so we're going to look at a gospel story again in the book of John, and we're going to look at how a group of people were trying to trap the grace of God. They were trying to trap Jesus in how he responded in that moment. Now, growing up, um, my parents did a great job of not only providing for us, but preparing us. You know, a lot of parents, they're good at making sure that all of their kids' needs are met and all of those things, but sometimes we don't do as great of a job at preparing them. And so my parents were great about that. One of the rules in our house was whenever we turned 16, we had to have a part-time job. And every week, we'd have to go to my parents, and it was a small amount, but we'd give them some of the money from the part-time job to prepare us um, for paying bills. If you're a parent, you can take notes on this, okay? This is good instructions for your future, okay? And so my parents wanted to make sure I didn't wind up as an 18-year-old living in the basement playing video games all day. And so they would, they would teach us this, hey, we want to prepare you to pay bills and, and to give and to do all of these things. And so we were required to have a part-time job, and I remember... Um, my summer of my, I was 16 years old, it was the summer there, um, right before I turned 17, my brother and I, we had this job, we worked together. And we were telemarketers. So if you've ever gotten that call right at 5 o'clock when you're about to sit down and eat, I'm sorry, that was me at one point, okay? And so I would call people up, and after doing that for a few months, I decided I did not like that job. <laughs> didn't want to do that anymore, but I knew I couldn't quit until I had another job or I'd be in trouble at home, so I went to my brother and I devised this scheme. Hey, here's what we're going to do. Every day we're going to get up, we're going to get dressed for work. We're going to leave the house, and instead of going to work, we're going to go to Village Inn. It's kind of like an IHOP in Colorado Springs, and so we'd go to Village Inn. We'd eat breakfast. That would give my parents enough time to leave the house, and then we'd go home and just hang out. And we were kind of looking for another job, but sometimes we'd go to the movies, sometimes we'd go to the mall, and we would just hang out. So we did this for like a week and a half, and then Wednesday rolled around. We did the normal thing, got up, got ready, told mom and dad we were leaving for work, headed out, went and ate breakfast, and we came home. And as my brother and I opened up the door and we walked in, my mom is standing there. And I knew I was trapped. Now, if you've never met my mom, she's five foot tall, but she is Mexican dynamite, okay, when she is upset. And I knew in that moment there is no escaping what's really going on here. My brain is racing. I'm trying to come up with a lie. What happened? Um, something took place. We couldn't go into work today, but I had nowhere to run, okay? And so I had to confess, hey, um, we've actually just been going out to breakfast for the past week and a half. And confessed what we did. And my mother very, so very lovingly said, okay, you've got five minutes, and then I'm kicking you out of the house, and you're going to go find a job today. So that's what you're going to do. And so we did. We had to go out that day and get applications and do all of that stuff. But I'll never forget that moment of standing in the foyer, seeing my mom, thinking, how did she know and feeling trapped in that moment? And that's what we see in this gospel story. Um, this group of people, they trap Jesus, and Jesus responds with this beautiful picture of grace. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 8, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the seat in front of you, and you can take that out. And in that Bible, it's on page 581. And whenever you find that, you can just hold that for a moment. John chapter um, 8, verse 1 is where we're going to start reading. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus has been traveling in and out of Jerusalem. And there's a big feast going on in the city of Jerusalem, and so there's lots of people 
that have come into that city. And so every day Jesus would travel in. He'd come to the temple area. He would teach. And at night he would leave with his disciples and he'd go to the Mount of Olives. He'd go out right outside of the city and he'd come back in the next day and begin to teach again. And so this is where we pick up in John chapter 8 verse 1. And this is what it says. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. That's where he spent the night with his disciples. And early in the morning he came again to the temple. And all the people came to him and sat down. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. And they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This is the trap. They said this to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. And so Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and he wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. If you have your Bibles, even if you grabbed one from the seat in front of you, just underline that. Take that pen out. If you have your smartphone and you're looking on that, highlight that. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. This powerful picture of God's grace I want us to look at this story. What's taking place here in this story? And how do we see Jesus respond with grace? How does he challenge these Pharisees that are trying to trap him with this idea of grace? And we look at this. As we look at this, I want you to imagine that you're there that day. What's taking place? Sometimes we quickly read through the stories in the gospel and we miss some of the powerful moments, the emotion of what's taking place there. Jesus is teaching It's much like this. He's in front of this crowd of people that have gathered. All of the people are there in the city of Jerusalem. And he's instructing them. He's doing what he normally did. He's teaching them about the kingdom of God. What it means to be in a relationship with God. What it means for us to live in God's kingdom. And be a part of God's work here on this earth. And so Jesus, like many other days, is teaching this crowd of people. And all of a sudden, these religious people barge into this kind of teaching setting, and they interrupt everything. Now, this was an awkward moment. I don't know if you've ever thought about what this would be like. I mean, imagine if we were right here in the midst of our service, and all of a sudden, someone busted in this exit door. And they dragged someone across the floor here and set them in front of us and then started reading off their sins. Have you ever thought of what that would be like? If someone grabbed you from wherever you were at on a Sunday morning, brought you here, and then started telling everybody everything you've done this week, all of your thoughts, all of those things that you want to hide, you don't want anyone to know about, that's what was taking place. It's not only awkward for the woman, it's awkward for everyone in the crowd, everyone that's there listening. But those Pharisees, they don't care about that. They're concerned about one thing. They're concerned about the rules. That's how the Pharisees lived. As you read through the gospel, the Pharisees are this religious group of people that felt like it was their job to let everyone else know how they were missing out on the kingdom of God. They would quickly tell you where you messed up. 
how you were not in God's house, how you were not a part of God's family, how you were on the outside, and how they followed all of the rules. They did everything right, and that made them on the inside of God's kingdom. See, that's what the Pharisees were all about. In Jesus, this picture of God's grace, this picture of God coming and living among us, dwelling among us, this picture of God's grace is all about relationship. And the Pharisees hated that. They hated this idea that God would come close, that God would want to draw close to sinners and to people that were broken. They despised that idea because it caused them to lose control. It caused them to no longer have control of people because they couldn't control them by the rules. See, Jesus brought this simple truth right here that rules cannot replace a relationship. This picture of grace taught everyone there that rules cannot replace a relationship. The Pharisees truly believed if we can just have enough rules, if we can just get people a long enough checklist, then they're going to be okay with God. Then everything's going to be fine and they'll follow those. And that's how we're going to be okay with God. We can earn our way into heaven. And Jesus comes, this picture of grace, and he says, no, it's about a relationship. There's a powerful truth in our lives as we live out grace. If you're a parent, if you lead other people, you need to know this, that rules without relationship will only lead to rebellion. You're a manager at your job, a part of the grace of God at work inside of our life. You're a parent, you're a grandparent, you're around other people. A part of the grace of God at work inside of our life is that we have to be present. But these Pharisees, they weren't concerned about this woman. They could care less about what happened to her or what's taking place or what caused her to find herself in this situation of committing adultery. They didn't care about any of that. All as they were concerned were, hey, we've got this list of rules. We've got all of this checklist that we do that we have to follow. And they truly believe that. But this picture of grace teaches us that all of the rules in the world will never produce righteousness in your life. It'll never produce righteousness in your life. All of the laws that you can imagine will never cause people to stop sinning. I mean, look at our nation. Is it working here in America? We have laws, but that's not going to produce righteousness in people's life. It's only a relationship with God. It's the grace of God being present in our life. And yet I hear so many people in the church, we, so often we fall into the role of the Pharisees. I've heard people and I've had people come to, say, come to me and say, Aaron, you need to be careful about how much you preach on grace. And I'm puzzled. What? If Jesus is grace, what you're telling me is, I need to be careful how much I preach on Jesus. And we truly believe that if we just preach more rules, if we just preach more law, then that will fix everyone's problems. And people have said that if you preach on grace too much, it's just going to give people a reason to sin. I've got news for you. We don't need another reason to sin, okay? We're going to sin on our own. We don't need the grace of God to sin. We're out there doing it all the time on our own. And we're not doing it because the grace of God. We're doing it because we're broken. We're flawed. We're hurting people. We don't need the grace of God to do that. See, we need the grace of God to deal with the sin that's already there in our life. We need the grace of God to deal with the issues that are there. We need to not step back from preaching the grace of God. We need to preach it more. We need to help people understand that it's God, His love, that covers us and that changes us and that calls us to something more. But the Pharisees did not understand this. See, Peter says in his writing to the church, it's actually the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. 
It's actually when you see the grace of God at work that all of a sudden you're saying, I don't want that anymore. I don't want that sinful life anymore. I'm not going to live for those cheap thrills, for those momentary satisfactions, because I see the tremendous love that God has for my life. I see what he did on the cross, and so I'm not willing to live for a substitute anymore. I want the real thing. I want the love of God at present in my life. See, that's what the grace of God does. It reminds us that rules are never enough. It's about a relationship, not only with God, but with others. These Pharisees, they weren't concerned about that woman there. And the sad truth is they caught this woman in the act of adultery. That means that there should have been a man present there too, according to the law. Many scholars believe that the Pharisees, one of them were actually a part of this sinful act that had taken place. It was a trap. But yet they're not standing there in condemnation. They're not standing there in judgment. Why? Because they view, I'm better than this woman. I follow the rules And so I'm better than she is. I don't deserve to be here. And Jesus says, really? Really? Okay, then let the person who's never sinned go ahead and throw the first stone. See, Jesus, this picture of grace in this talk that he's giving reminds us, hey, grace levels the playing field. There's none of us that are righteous on our own. There's none of us, no matter how much we try to follow the rules, none of us are going to get it on our own. All of us are desperately in need of the grace of God. And so there should be nothing that separates that relationship, not only with God, but with others. We're like each other. We're all sinful. We're all broken. And so Jesus, this picture of grace, is calling these Pharisees back into relationship with this woman that they feel like is so far beneath them, that they feel like is below them. See, when you're trying to do it with rules, you'll believe the lie that you're better than someone else. Rules can never replace a relationship. We are all desperately in need of the grace of God inside of our life. And so we go on, and and what's this picture of grace? What are the words that Jesus says to this woman? They're all standing there, and Jesus looks up, and he says, where's everyone who's accused you? Where's everyone who's condemned you? Where are they at? Has no one accused you? Is no one still here? And she says, no one, Lord. And he looks at her and he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I was thinking about this story. I was reading about this. I was thinking about what was it like for that woman in that moment. She's there kneeling down. And I always pictured like the Pharisees. You know, they're going to stone her. And when I was younger, I pictured... Them holding rocks like this, but this really isn't going to kill anyone, okay? It's probably going to hurt a little bit, but I don't know that you're going to do much damage. And so they're standing over this woman with larger sized rocks. In this woman's mind, just take a moment and imagine what it was like. In these last few moments of her life, she knows she's about to die. And she knows that she's probably outside of God's plan because she's just been committing this act. And she's probably trembling there on the ground thinking, this is it. This is how my life is going to end. This is what it's all come down to. She knows what she's done. She knows the sin that she's committed. And what was that like in those moments when she heard those stones hit the ground? And one by one, those Pharisees, those religious people, their feet walk away. Them taking those steps to walk away. Maybe she still had that fear in her life. But Jesus is still here. He's going to say something. He's going to do something. And the only person 
in that whole place that had a right to condemn her, speaks these words, neither do I condemn you. But he doesn't stop there. See, that would have been such an amazing moment that she's forgiven. Her sins aren't held against her. That would have been such a powerful thing. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Grace doesn't stop there in our life. Just forgiving us of our sins. It calls us into something more. Go and from now on sin no more. And I'm thinking about what this woman must have been thinking. Jesus, you are sadly mistaken. My whole identity is sin. I'm a prostitute. I've been caught in this act of adultery. Everything that I do, my livelihood, how I work for my money, it's all based around sin. And you're telling me to go and to sin no more. What are you thinking, Jesus? What are you thinking? But grace, it sees our purpose, not our past. Grace sees our purpose, not our past. That's what Jesus does in that moment. He calls something out of her that she cannot even see in herself. She's got to be thinking in those moments, Jesus, what are you saying? Unless grace doesn't define me by my past. Unless, Jesus, you're saying that I can be something more than I've been in the past. I can do something more. Unless you're saying that God sees something in me that I don't even see in myself. God, that you see worth and you see value and you see purpose when I can't see that in my own life. Jesus, is that what you're saying? That grace sees purpose in me? That you don't just look at me and condemn me as an adulterous person? as a woman who's a prostitute, as a woman who's lived in sexual sin, Jesus, you actually believe that I could go and I could live differently? See, that's the power of grace in our life. It not only forgives your sin, God not only removes those things from your life, but he calls you into something more. He looks into your life and he believes for something greater than you even see in yourself, than you can even look at your own life and believe about yourself. Jesus, like with this woman, is speaking life into you. I have a purpose. I have a plan. I have a destiny. You may not see it yet, church, but the grace of God, the fullness of God in our life calls us to something more than we can even see in our own life. It speaks truth and it speaks life over us, even when we're laying there feeling condemned. Go and sin no more. That's the purpose of God over this woman. He sees something more in her. I can remember in my life when I first felt that, when I first felt the grace of God like that over my life. I've shared a number of times how when in high school I lived in, was getting in trouble a lot and was doing a lot of things and God began to get a hold of my life. And during that time, we moved from Oklahoma or we moved from Colorado to Oklahoma. We moved kind of back where I grew up in that same area. And I started to attend, to attend this small church um, right outside of Sepulpa, Oklahoma. And I was going for a little bit and I still knew my life was messed up. I still knew I had a lot of issues. I had a lot of sin, but I was trying and I was saying, God, you got to do something with my life. But I didn't see a lot of hope there. And there was this lady. She was a family friend named Janice Newton. And one day after service, she walked up and she said, Aaron, have you ever thought about helping out in the kids' ministry? And I was like, man, I never thought about that. But I guess I could. I mean, I like kids. I feel like I'm pretty good around kids. And she's like, I want you to come back and just start helping me to teach. And so I did. Sunday after Sunday, I'd start to help. Janice teach these kids. And she was having these little preschool kids memorize the first book of Psalm. And she said, Aaron, why don't you kind of lead us in that? 
And so I did. I began to memorize scripture like that. A few weeks later, she said, Aaron, would you maybe teach the lesson? I'll give it to you ahead of time. And, and you can teach these kids about what it means, the story that day, the life of Jesus. You can explain to them what that means. I don't know if she fully understood what she was doing, but she was speaking into my life something that I didn't see there. It was the first few moments that I knew God was calling me into ministry as I sat in front of this group of kids and I taught them and I prayed with them and I grew. Janice was speaking God's grace over my life. I didn't see that there. I just saw this punk kid off the streets. I saw hopelessness. I didn't see worth, but Janice saw the call of God on my life. She began to open up the door and the opportunity for me. My question to you as the church this morning, are we living as the Pharisees? We just trying to get people to follow a list of rules. We trying to trap grace and control it because we're afraid of what it may mean in people's life. Or are we like Jesus? Are we calling things out in others' life that maybe they don't see in themselves? Because I'm here to tell you, church, that's what Jesus is. That's the picture of grace that Jesus is in our life, that he wants to be through us. See, you may think that you wound up at that job by accident, but you're not there by accident. You're there to speak grace over people's life. There's people that are around you, people that you have influence with, and they're hurting and they're broken. They're like that woman. They feel like they're nothing but a sinner. And Jesus wants to speak grace through you. He wants to show you something more in their life than they even see in themselves. See, you think that family person that's struggling with sin is just there for no reason. No, they're there in your life. Why? Because they need the grace of God. They don't need a list of rules. They don't need all of these laws. They need the grace of Jesus that looks inside of each and every one of us and speaks purpose and speaks destiny and speaks dreams and that says, I've called you to be a disciple maker. I've called you to reach others. I'm going to use your own brokenness to reach out and to minister in the life of others. I'm going to use you to go and to bring purpose and fulfillment to other people that are hurting. See, that's what Jesus is. That's the grace of God over our life. And I want us to take the next few moments, I want us to think about this because in each and every one of our lives, in all of our lives, Jesus is grace. Church, in the person of Jesus, we have a powerful picture of grace. We see the beauty of God's grace and what that does for our life. And I want to pray for us this morning. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes. And I just want to ask if there's anyone here this morning and maybe your picture of Jesus has been very different. Maybe your idea of who God is has been shaped by other things other than the word of God. But this morning you're realizing that you need the grace of God in your life. The word of God is clear that we've all, we're all broken. We've all walked away from that relationship and there's nothing we can do on our own. We're desperately need, in need of God's help and he has sent his son Jesus so that we could live in a right relationship with him. And if that's you in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward to the altar. If you're here and you're saying, I need the grace of God, I need a fresh start in my life, and I want to pray with you. As I mentioned, the Bible says that all is it requires is that we come. We admit that we're sinners. We admit that we're broken. And we come and we ask for God's grace, God's forgiveness over our life. He's inviting us into a relationship with him. 
And so is there anyone in the room this morning with no one looking around, you know God is speaking to you. If that's you, would you just stand up right where you're at and come forward right here to the altar? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited for you, man. I'm so excited. Hey, Chris. Miranda, man. Awesome. Church, I'm going to ask if you guys would pray this with me, whether you're saying it for the first time or whether you've said it before. Jesus, I come to you. I realize I'm broken. I'm in need of your grace. So this morning, I ask for a fresh start. Make me new, Jesus. Give me a brand new life in you. Be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Church, can we put our hands together just celebrating with these? Hey, we want to take a quick moment. We just want to pray with you again and talk with you. And so we have a team over here right here in our green room. We're not going to take a lot of your time, but we just want to encourage you in the step that you've taken. So if you would go with Aaron and Debbie and just go right over here, we want to just spend a quick moment talking with you. Thank you. Church, that's what we're about is God's grace being present in our life, making people and places new. His grace covering us. And I want all of us to respond together this morning for the past two messages in our life. So I'm going to ask if you would stand to your feet. We want to sing this out and declare this as a church, that God's grace is amazing, that it's powerful, and that we love His grace in our life. Let's sing this together, church. This is amazing
Doing good. Okay, I have a big problem. Yeah. Because I've been walking in the path of God much more stronger. Yeah. And like, I got this job because now I was supposed to get it like two weeks before. Okay. But I did it and I never called them. Yeah. They were the ones who called me actually two okay. weeks later and I got awesome. it. Yeah. And I feel like God got, brought me to that place for a reason, as yeah. you said. Yep. Because there is a, my manager that her relationship's going downhill. Okay. And I overheard her talking about it and I really wanted to say, well, you know, do you go to church? Yeah. You know? But I'm so much younger than her. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah. I feel like I don't have the right to say that to her because yeah. I'm so much younger than her. You don't know. Yeah. And she's also no, a manager, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was really, I went and I got my own apartment because I was 18. Yeah. And I got myself into drugs and all yeah. of this stuff. And it wasn't the right path. You know? Yeah. Now I'm walking with God and I feel like God has brought me these two girls because yeah. they remind me so much of me. Yeah. And God wants me to say something or help them, but 